welcome to the Naughty Child Podcast with me, Richard. And me, Polly. I'm the dad. And I'm the daughter. I did everything before I leave. I need to find that bag on my quiz. Alex Hartley took us off air in Brighton earlier this year. I'm a huge fan of Pepper. We thought we were really funny. Bobby, I'm doing a <laughs> podcast, man. Come on. <laughs> well, my dog is now called Jimmy Anderson. Oh, well, Manchester Originals aren't through to the Eliminator, so I've got to change that to yeah. Do you cook French food? Like, do you cook frog legs and snails? Oh, <laughs> uh, just lock myself in a procedure room. That Sophie Eccleston's the worst. It's like having a child with you when she's on tour. I don't know whether it shows something about me or whether it just shows I'm a little bit stupid. It's been another big week in women's cricket. I think that's probably an understatement because we've said that a few times, but this week genuinely has had so much. When I was writing my list, I was like, oh, there's another thing, there's another thing. Um, so we are talking about pretty much the entire world this episode. There are nine things on your list. There are nine things on my list um, relating to a variety of different competitions, topics, all that sort of thing. I think the best place to start is with England and Sri Lanka. I think the best place to start is how are you doing, Paul? Okay, we'll, we'll forget England for a second. Um, I'm good, yeah. I'm getting a little bit bored, to be honest. Um, there's not very much to do You want now. to go back to school? No, 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 no. <laughs> that has been a nice thing about this week, that I haven't had that going back to school thing. But it's kind of got to the point there isn't... I'm leaving in nine days, mm-hmm. and actually I haven't got tons to do. Um, That's because you've been mega organised and you've I know. like bought everything. Well, I got most of a couple of weeks. It's ago. almost like you can't wait to go. Do you know what? It's like I'm actually desperate to leave Birmingham. It's like there's a better city that I'm about to go to. You know. Well, you're off to Manchester. Oh, obviously that's very hypothetical because you know Birmingham's probably better than Manchester. But at least I'm going to a place that isn't bankrupt. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was other news. <laughs> also, can we just say, can we not blame it on the Commonwealth Games because? We need Birmingham to be the permanent host of the Commonwealth Games, please. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be hosting. <laughs> no, I was going to say I don't think that's going to happen now. Um, how are you? You start back at school. I start back at school, but that happens every year for you. You never leave school. Yeah, this is true. Um, yeah, it's it's been all right. I, when you're a teacher, it the great perk of the job is to get six weeks off in the summer. Yeah. Although I did work for two of those mm-hmm. six weeks, but. You still get the flexibility of the holidays. Exactly. And it's I realise that for most people who get twenty five mm. days a year, that is a the thought massive, of a six week I mean it's not just a six week holiday as well, it's like Christmas, Easter, that sort of I thing. Know, I'm always on holiday, aren't I? I know. Do you even do what? I know. I can't believe come on everyone who's not a teacher out there. Yeah, it's really jump easy on work. The you get long it's holidays. So it's... Rewarding. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm coping. That's good. Well. Okay, shall we talk about England and Sri Lanka now? Yes, let's talk about England against Sri Lanka. So the T20 series just finished. Um, Sri Lanka won Mm -hmm. 2-1. Excellent result for Sri Lanka. Dire performance by England. Um, Well, one very good performance by England. Yeah, rain-affected performance. But before the rain came, England... It was good. Yeah, put on... Was it 200... Plus, I don't even know. It was it was a it was yeah. a proper big score, wasn't it? I think the thing is with the whole series, it's been really interesting because in the build up, I was a bit annoyed about the way England were approaching it. I get it's September, mm-hmm. 
not many people really like playing cricket in September and I can appreciate that but the way it was spoken about in terms of playing against Sri Lanka is an opportunity to use players who've never played for England before this is an opportunity to uh, rest some of our players this is an opportunity to not put out a strong side and like as much as some of the rationale I understand like resting players I think to an extent that's great although Natsa Brunt hasn't actually rested. She's she played a 50 over, played a 50 over game. So that doesn't particularly <laughs> make sense. Um, and in essence, they've kind of, they've dropped Sophia Dunkley mm-hmm. and Sophie Eccleston got injured anyway. So I didn't quite understand that. But to say, oh, we're going to use it as an opportunity to test out young players, then realise that, you know, actually Mahika Gore was excellent and she was one of the best players in the series. However, to then decide oh actually we're not, we're not going to test everyone out best heath isn't going to be there mm-hmm. so it makes the situation like far more difficult but then also it's I, I just think it's kind of a challenge overall because um it wasn't quite working between the three matches well first match england got 186 for four of 17 mm-hmm. overs fantastic contributions from capsi from danny wyatt Frey Kemp, lovely little temple yeah. cameo, all that kind of thing. It was that was it the worked. plan. It, yeah. it worked, perfectly. and that's how I think the series was expected to go in terms of that trajectory, not the one that happened. Yeah, and but however, Sri Lanka's response—they only had six overs yeah. to bat, so it was it was very very curtailed, and they were never going to get mm. those runs. But they got sort of close to it, yeah. And and that was a little bit of a warning, wasn't it? Yeah, as to what so. they were capable of as a yeah. side. This was not, you know, a very very weak side. You know, on paper mm. they're the eighth best side in the world, yeah. which is not very highly yeah. ranked. But yeah, England needed to be a little bit wary of that. And yeah. then, of course, conditions changed. And England just, well, I don't know the reason for it, mm. but suddenly that performance from the first match couldn't be replicated. Yeah. And um, you'll sort of see the totals. We've got bowled out twice, 104, 116. Mm. You're, you're just not going to win games against no. anyone no. Um, if you score like that. And I think also an excuse was kind of used about, oh, this is a very inexperienced England side, but actually... There weren't too many changes from the team that beat Australia in the T20 at the Oval or at Lords. Um, you had the inexperience of like Danny Gibson in there. Mm. She played in a, a winning side. She also played in a losing side. Um, the main differences there were you didn't have Lauren Bell. But again, I don't know if you can fully class her as an experienced player. She's only got a handful of caps for England. Like, yeah, I know she's played in the Ashes and done well. But in terms of what you define as an experienced player, I don't know if she quite falls into that yet. Of course, Natsu Brent and Sophie Eccleston, they're big losses. But at the same time, I don't... I mean, I don't know what else you'd say in a press conference. I don't know how you respond to when you lose and you were kind of arrogant enough to think you're going to beat Sri Lanka every time. And actually, Sri Lanka turn up and bowl extremely well and then also follow it up batting-wise. I don't know. I just I was quite frustrated after Chelmsford because it just felt like England had England had almost been caught out and then just kind of went, 
oh well you know Chamorro had a good day it's not our fault we're all inexperienced yeah. sort of thing I think we're England fans we want we want England to do well and in the Ashes we did really well mm. and we really enjoyed it and it was a fantastic series in fact you can read all about it in the <laughs> article that we wrote uh, if you've got a spare hour of your life to spare so I suppose we say these things out of frustration because we want England to keep on winning. I think also because there's a standard which England have now set. Yes. And I I guess what we saw in those other matches were some underpar performances, some things that just went wrong, mm. but also some fairly strange selections. Yeah. So Izzy Wong, mm-hmm. who is clearly struggling yeah was dropped by Birmingham Phoenix in the middle of the mm. hundred still kept in the side by England and played and bowled yeah by them um it went clearly she was struggling the other one I want to point out is Freya Kemp playing mm. simply as a batter yeah and my question is is this person the best person to come in and bat number six for mm. England yeah because I I know she is also a wicketkeeper, but I would have put Bess Heath in. Yeah. Um, perhaps slightly up the order. But, like, I just don't think if... I know Freya Kemp is, has predominantly been a bowler, and, you know, she did bat well in the 100 at times, but I I just don't really see... If you want to give players experience, give Bess Heath a zero caps, give her a cap. Mm. Um, because also that... It made England look a bit silly... When John Lewis said before the thing, we're going to give everyone caps, all that sort of thing, you think, okay, this is this is their plan. And then they realise their plan's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So Bess Heath misses out on an international cap and they look, I mean, it's very obvious that their plan hasn't worked. Yes. Um, and if you're looking at that sixth batter yeah. and you're putting Freya Kemp in there, mm. you're ignoring not only Bess Heath, yeah. but you're ignoring Tammy Beaumont. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you're ignoring Bryony Smith. Mm-hmm. There, there are a whole load of people who would have bitten your hand off to play yeah. in those games. Yeah. Who weren't selected, mm. you know. And you know, John Lewis and Heather Knight might say, "Well, we know all about those people already." Yeah. But again, it's trying not to think about the future all the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Because um, you've got to play games in the present, um, and yeah. it does feel like he's almost like wait until the World Cup, everything will be fine. But it's like, no, that's not the point. Um, we want it to be fine now, and then, and I also think there were stats actually when the England squad was put out that it really hasn't been based off current form, um, yeah. which is frustrating as well because particularly with bowling, it was players that actually were more expensive that got picked for England than the cheaper bowlers in the hundred or um, the Rachel A. Flynn, and it's just, I don't get that. I, I think just pick people based we've, on form. Yeah, as well. we've talked about this before. Though. Yeah, you know. Katie Levick and Georgia Adams oh, yeah, that's are not going to yeah. be picked for England. Yeah. It's just, that's, it's not going to happen. No. So it's not a level playing field. We're not picking from mm. all the professionals in the game. Yeah. It, it's a select few, really. Mm. And you can argue for the, the rights and wrongs of that, yeah. but that's clearly, mm-hmm. um, that's clearly how things are. Um, so there were some selection oddities within it mm. but i think overall the feeling that it reminded me of the commonwealth games this is what we're saying yeah and it, it reminded me of that sort of complacency mm. and 
it just it felt tired and yes like just yes. everything was so much effort and maybe you know when you think about it the ashes was massive you yeah. went and watched every day and you were exhausted <laughs> just watching it. yeah imagine having to play all those games okay yeah. and they went straight from that into the mm -hmm. hundred and then straight from the hundred into the yeah. series against Sri Lanka and I think that shows yeah I think if Sri Lanka series had been the main thing this summer mm. Would've it would have been fine, yeah. And I think one thing I really want to give quite a bit of time to is actually giving so much credit to Sri Lanka because this is something that hasn't been present. And it's it's especially like from an English perspective and as England fans, you're annoyed at England. But actually what Sri Lanka has done is excellent. And one thing I noticed, I mean, when I think of Sri Lanka, I think of Chamari Atapatu. I'm sure many people think the same because she is kind of the face of Sri Lankan cricket, Sri Lankan women's cricket. And she got player of the match two games in a row, was so consistent. Um, in fact, a stat from Hypercourse was saying she was the, she's the, only the sixth woman to get 100 plus runs and five plus wickets in a three match series, um, which is excellent. And in, in the history of cricket. In the history of like women's cricket ever. Um, and to think that she's not getting a look in from franchise teams is absolutely balmy because I guarantee you the other six women, if they're within the era of franchise cricket, they will have been picked up. Um, and actually the fact she's an all-rounder adds, like multiplies her value massively. So it's just like WBBL yeah. 100, why are you not picking her? Because she's she's like the dream franchise player, really. I, I would say so. I mean, she single-handedly took England apart yeah and that you know there were other great performances yeah. but she was the key factor mm. in that whole series no one yeah. else performed out of yeah. the other 22 players mm. no one else performed in that way she was absolutely yeah. dominant it, yeah. it was if you're going to design mm. having your dream series <laughs> Yeah, that would be it. Yeah, I mean, she was heads and heads, <laughs> heads and bulges, <laughs> heads and shoulders above all the England performances. Um, I'd say there were some good Sri Lanka performances. I think, um, I think Kavisha Delari, um, she got five wickets, so she equalled Chamari's wick, like uh, as yeah. the joint leading wicket taker, and that excited me actually because she, I think, is twenty two or twenty three. And actually the majority, um, particularly their spin attack, but even just Sri Lanka's whole bowling attack and a lot of their team are 30 plus. Um, so actually some of them will be close to retirement a couple of years. Like, I mean, they've got, I think, two players who are 37. Um, Chamari's 33. Um, so actually the fact that this next generation is coming through, yeah. um, it's quite reassuring actually for the future of Sri Lankan cricket. And, I did actually notice, I, I mean, perhaps there are people from Sri Lanka listening or people that understand Sri Lankan cricket a bit more, but from what I could find, they don't really have a domestic system. Okay. So in Chamari's stats, you can't find any domestic games she's played. Mm -hmm. um, there was a 50 over tournament, but I believe that finished in 2021. Um, so it doesn't seem that there is this same regional setup that you have in like England, India, Australia, South Africa, New Zealand. So um, I think that's a step, if that's not already in place, I mean, I could be completely mistaken, but from what I was trying to find, I couldn't really see much on it. Um, so I think the fact that they've got a national team who are performing so well at the moment, 
Um, I know they beat India as well um, relatively recently. So there are a lot of a lot of positive signs there. I mean, they're an up and coming force in the game, mm. aren't they? Yeah. And I, I think you know, as the women's cricket is developing so rapidly, yeah, globally, mm. and actually, it's it's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Because the the danger, and we've talked about it mm. quite. I probably think reflecting on it now, mm. we've talked about it quite arrogantly and complacently in mm. over the summer about well, you know, England, Australia are pushing ahead. Mm. And you know it's it's them, and then you're kind of India, and then everyone else after yeah. that. But actually, there are teams. You know, if we're still podcasting in five <laughs> years' time, mm. you know, it may be that England will be ranked number yeah. eight in the world. Well, I mean, look at South Africa beating us in the semi-final. Like people didn't expect yeah. that to happen, especially England fans. And now South Africa have lost to Pakistan. Well, exactly. So it's like okay, so Pakistan <laughs> ranked above. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, yeah, it's like, it's really good that, you know, there is this slight gap closing. I think, I think, I don't think it's fully there because mm-hmm. Blooming Australia are always just like <laughs> winning everything. Um, but I think it's, it's a massive sign and actually a, a big signal for teams that you have to approach every series with the same intensity because... Yeah. I, I think my only worry is West Indies at the moment. I think mm-hmm. it's it's quite difficult there in terms of their situation with women's cricket. But you know, pretty much every other team is massively on the rise. And but yeah, but then other teams are emerging, aren't they? Well, yeah. You know, so Thailand was the obvious one, mm-hmm. uh, but Ireland as well, yeah. Netherlands. Yeah, they're they're all kind of growing stronger mm-hmm. too. Yeah. So I I think it's this is actually really encouraging for the mm. women's game. Yeah. So much as we're disappointed and we're slightly annoyed <laughs> <laughs> with England. Yeah. I'm just, I'm really pleased for Sri Lanka. And yeah. uh, I think it's really good going forward for the women's game. That, mm. um, I, and actually England next time they play Sri Lanka yeah. are certainly going to think more carefully about yeah. selection. Yeah, definitely. Um, mentioning overseas things, there are the European qualifiers at the moment, you just mentioned the Netherlands, mm-hmm. who beat Scotland. Yes. Um, Scotland beat Italy in the first game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going on to qualify for the T20 World Cup, I believe. Yeah, so Stair. Uh, yeah, Stair, she, she played really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's I really like actually seeing the European qualifiers because there are a couple of players who, particularly from Scotland, that will play in the English domestic system. But then you get so many players that you've never heard of. Um, who are doing really well, and that's pretty cool as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll quickly pop to the Caribbean. Oh, I wish. Um, <laughs> because the CPL has been happening. Yes. Um, there have been some really kind of like standout moments that I have i haven't particularly followed the competition, but I've just seen bits on social media and things. Marie Kelly got four for 30, bowling. Right um, or left? Well, I don't know, actually. <laughs> to be fair, it could have been a mix. Um, and I saw Mignon Dupré take an amazing catch. So um, it seems to be going very well there. Very good. Um, and we'll quickly go to Australia for the WBBL um, because it was the draft with all the signings. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have 
got quite a few English players, actually. Sydney Thunder have gone with Marazan Cap, who's left Perth Scorchers. This was all in a draft. Marazan Cap, Heather Knight, Lauren Bell. I'm excited to see Lauren Bell and Marazan Cap bowl in tandem, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully open the bowling. That would be cool. Uh, Melbourne Renegades have got Hayley Matthews and Harmon Precourt so far. Nice. So strong batting in, I suppose, all-rounder. Are they um, are they allowed three overseas? I think they can have three overseas. And then, they're, I don't know if they've kept this with the draft, but they're like marquee players, so like yeah. the Aussie um, players. Then Perth Scorchers have also gone batting-wise. They've got Sophie Devine and Danny Wyatt. Nice. Melbourne Stars have got Alice Capsi and Mai uh, Bouchier, who I believe they've both they, been over before. Yeah, I hope they're talking oh, to well, each other by then. Yeah, <laughs> oh dear, that <laughs> run out. Um, but Melbourne Stars have also signed Sophia Dunkley, but that was not in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the moment, I think teams are getting players from just chatting to them. So Melbourne um, Stars are just England, really. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is what happened last time as well, because they got Bess Heath over as well. Mm-hmm. So it was, I'm sure it was Capsi Bouchon. Um, Bess Heath um, then Shabnam Ismail and Bryony Smith are going to the Hobart Hurricanes good to see Bryony in there um, the Brisbane Heat have got Amelia Kerr and Bess Heath mm-hmm. um, Sydney Sixers have got Chloe Tran and Jess Kerr and then the Adelaide Strikers have Kepler Wolvart and they've also got Danny Gibson it's really interesting isn't it really interesting so I'd imagine there are a couple of other players who like England players who will get a call I believe Nat Silverbrunt and Tommy Beaumont have opted to sign with the team and not go in the draft. Mm-hmm. So they'll get less pay than they could have potentially got, mm-hmm. but they're guaranteed a team. Yeah. Um, so I presume that'll be announced over the next few weeks and then there'll be a couple of other signings. Um, I was hoping some Irish players might get in there, um, but that could be just chatting to teams and see what happens. Mm. And do we know the coaches for all the teams now? Is- his I have Lottie no idea. I there. think Lottie might be back at the Sixers, but mm. I don't actually know that information. So, yeah, don't fact check with me. <laughs> um, briefly on the Rachel Hayhoe Flint, um, it was a pretty good round, actually. It was one of those where two games were quite similar mm-hmm. and the other two were quite similar. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Captain Scriven's era, I'm so here for it. Yes. Grace Scrivens has taken over as captain of the Sunrisers for the rest of the season. And of course, she wins the first game. Not only wins it, but thrashes Western Storm. Yes. Um, was it? It was Western Storm they played, wasn't it? I believe it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think four wickets. That though, historic right? match that um, you know, it kind of goes back that rival. <laughs> it's not even a rival, but, it really, but it's just that that one game where it was the Maddie Villiers overthrows. Oh yes. Um, oh, yes. And then another kind of bit of a rivalry that's developed with um, Southern Vipers and Northern Diamonds. They played each other, and that was a good game. I think that was probably yeah. the best. Because it kind of, you thought, oh, this really is in the Vipers' hands. And then Holly Armitage got a century and you think, this actually could, the Diamonds could do this. It was in Northumberland and I was getting very excited. But um, yeah, it was five from the final ball and I think it only went for one. Um, so that was a little really bit. Really tight game. Yeah, That's great really when it goes to the final ball. Yeah. And then at Edge Baston, it was Sparks against the Blaze. The Blaze won quite comfortably. There was a point where it looked like Sparks were going to do it because they took a couple of wickets. Um, but then it it kind of slipped away and it was like they needed a few... I mean, they had they didn't really have the wickets in hand, but they had the time, so they didn't have to play the silly shots. More than the time. They, well, had, they had Nat Silverbrand. They had 
the best player in yeah. the world. And they had Lizelle Lee and Tammy <laughs> Bowen opening the batting. I was like, that's just not fair. Like, surely that's against the rules. So, Nat um, Brunt taking a break mm-hmm. and having a rest from T20 cricket, <laughs> plays a 50-over game for Blaze and wins it for them. Yeah, well... Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, poor old Sparks. Yeah, I know. Poor Sparks. And they, then, did, they would have won it if it was not there. Yeah, definitely. And then Thunder absolutely thrashed the Southeast Stars. Yeah. Which is Thunder, a strange Thunder one. don't win, usually. I know. Particularly against the Southeast Stars. Mm. But um, they had a really, really good game and played well. Laura Delaney was on debut for them. Um, just they had a really good game. And Southeast Stars just... Couldn't well really done, hack Thunder. it. Well done. So, it, do you know what? I was. This was like my football brain, though, because I was trying to work out the table and the, not necessarily the possibilities, but I was like, who's going to leapfrog who and stuff? And I was like, wait, I'll have three points, I'll have three points. But then it was like five points at some point. Oh. So, yeah, I don't know. It was um, quite interesting. Um, the final thing I want to mention is umpiring. Raph Nicholson is a legend. Yeah. What an amazing piece of journalism. Yeah. And putting out in The Guardian. And it's just, it is a shocking revelation, mm-hmm. yeah. I think. So for those of you not aware, uh, what Raf discovered and uh, ran an exclusive article on this week in The Guardian was that the 100, this beacon of equality mm-hmm. within cricket games, the umpires get paid a third for umpiring a women's game compared to what they get for umpiring a men's game and the job is literally <laughs> the same identical yeah um it is unfathomable mm. how this could be justified in any way shape yeah. or form and it must be so toe curlingly embarrassing mm. yeah uh, for the ecb and it's got to change yeah I mean, a couple of days ago, they put out that whole thing. Yeah, equal match fees for men and women. And then suddenly it gets exposed that actually they've, there's unequal pay between umpires. And it's like, wow. I mean, it's bad enough for the domestic stuff. But for the 100, a competition which prides itself on equality, plus is essentially comes as one package. Mm-hmm. So... The whole thing about ticket sales and figures, that is so, so irrelevant. I mean, I don't think it's really relevant often, but it's extremely irrelevant in this case because it is the same product. Um, It's one ticket for the whole game. So you're seeing the umpires for equal amounts of time. It's just, it's balming. It's madness. And um, and of course, course a woman could Mm -hmm. umpire the men's game and a man could umpire the women's game if yeah. that has happened. Yeah. However, mm-hmm. the vast majority of female mm-hmm. umpires are umpiring the women's yeah. game. And the men's game disproportionately mm. is umpired by yeah. men. I think it's only Sue Redfern, I think. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, and I think the point actually about Sue Redfern is that she's the only full-time female umpire. Mm-hmm. So from my understanding, it kind of works like the central contracts that they'll get the match fee on top. But with um, umpires like Anna Harris, I think she's on like a smaller like retainer contract sort mm-hmm. of thing. So she won't, her normal salary is not the same. And then she'll get even less on top because she's doing women's games rather than men's games, which is mad because it's no more difficult to do a men's game than a women's game. And it, 
it's, it's just it doesn't make any sense um, um oh it, it's really frustrating because like you just think just why um it's, well yeah let's see how the ecb responds well to it. i mean it's interesting because sarah glenn called for the ecb mm-hmm. to act upon it which i think it is normally quite a rare thing for a player to i mean she got asked a question in a press conference um but actually she called for it so i don't know but well, they, they the, need to these do something. are the days of player power well yeah so we'll see what happens yeah we'll see, we'll see. but yeah absolute madness um and of course there's been a great piece by the ucb talking about more girls cricket we've got more girls cricket so which is also worry. good we'll, we'll forget about the empire thing they've got more girls cricket so we can be pleased about that. we can we can <laughs> i like gracious. i like tactics the ecb are um, not there are some nice people though. there are definitely yes um anyway that's oh, we've covered a lot of stuff in half an hour but we've got a guest we've got more stuff we have a winner we do have a winner because we don't like losers here England. <laughs> <laughs> we only like winners. <laughs> so we've got Ellie Anderson, who um, back in actually back in January, she was a loser, runner up. <laughs> but no, she's a winner now. She won with the Southern Brave, um, also plays for Central Sparks. Um, and yeah, very exciting. Yeah, and plays for England under 19 in the, uh, in the World Cup as well. So here's our yeah. interview with Ellie Anderson. Firstly, how's your thumb doing? Um, it's well, it's okay. It's not the best news for the end of the season. So I've dislocated it and it fractured it. So I've got to have a pin put in it to stabilise the joint so that it heals properly, which is not ideal, but at least I've done it at the end of the season. And it's my left hand, so it's my non-dominant hand. So, Ouch. Was, was that batting or fielding you did that? Uh, that was fielding, yeah. So I was uh, taking a catch at deep square, a flat catch, and it's gone in the sun and I've lost it in the sun and it's just caught me on the end of my thumb. Ooh, I'm a bit screaming. <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, it's uh, yeah. Have you had? I'm not very good with stuff like that. I couldn't look at it. I couldn't look at it. Uh, so, have you had many injuries like that before? No, that's my first one. My first. Yeah, Touchwood. So far, my first. Well, I sense if you, you've got a future career in cricket. You're gonna get a few, aren't you? It's just. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, the doctor who usually deals with finger injuries with sparks and with cricket was at Edgebaston at the England men's game dealing with a finger injury so oh gosh I would have seen him but he was dealing with something else but no it was it was fine oh gosh well I, I, I'm glad you're well enough to come on the podcast that's really really good um, tell me uh, tell me a little bit about how it all started for you your cricket story um so I started cricket um when I was about nine so it's a bit different than the usual I guess my dad's never played cricket before um so it was just my friends at school like their dads all played they all were going to the cricket club on a Friday night for training and I just wanted to go and join in with them and that's just and that's just how it grew like I started playing softball like under nine softball something like that and then just kept going back each year 
basically. Brilliant. What's the name of the cricket club that you grew up at? Alverley Cricket Club. Well, well so done. Just this little village club in, in Shropshire. Yeah. That's absolutely amazing, isn't it? And it's it's brilliant, I think, for people listening who are who are sort of playing club cricket at the moment as youngsters to know that, you know, there is a pathway through. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's just yeah, if you if you love the game enough and you just keep enjoying it, someone's gonna spot that you're enjoying yourself and they'll see something in you. So you're based in Shropshire, but you've ended up playing for Worcestershire. So are you yeah, near the border right. or did they poach you? Um, yeah, so I I live in South Shropshire, but my but Alvary play in the Worcestershire League. Right. So I've been I was eligible to I went to trials for both Shropshire and Worcestershire. Uh, when I was eleven, um, I was yeah I was selected for both. So I just had to pick, but I picked to. I chose Worcester because I could see the pathway. Mm. So they already had the senior women set up that was doing well at the time. So I could just see a future for myself playing cricket in Worcester, whereas at Shropshire, I couldn't see, could see sort of falling off, like you do your age group cricket and then you don't really have anywhere to go after that. So that's why I picked Worcester. Definitely, there's like very kind of clear setups within Worcestershire and Warwickshire here in the Midlands. So then you now play for Sparks. How did that all come about with coming through the academy and, you know, proving yourself enough to be part of the senior team? Um, so I did last season, I was the lead, not to brag, I was the lead wicket, wicket taker for the academy. Um, so I think there I just kept, you know, I was doing well consistently and that was noticed by obviously Lloyd, head coach. Um, and he's just invited me this winter to be in and around the seniors a lot more. So I was training with, I've been training with the seniors all winter. And he just, yeah, just wanted me to be in and around the group so that I knew everyone, I was comfortable with everyone when I was eventually asked to be part of the senior team. Yeah, so that's right. You made your debut this at the start of this season, I'm I'm right in saying, in the yes. Charlotte Edwards Cup. Tell me a little bit about that game. Oh, no, I really enjoyed that game. Um, it was at New Road, so it's my home ground in Worcester. So that was pretty special. Um, I, um, the season before, I nearly had my debut at Worcester as well. So it was nice to actually get a go, finally, you know, at my home ground. It was a bit of sort of a fairy tale, I guess. And then yeah, I bowled. I'm. I was really happy with how I bowled as well, which is, mm. you know, <laughs> most the most important bit, I guess. So did, did you have the whole cap presentation ceremony and all that sort of thing? Yes, I did. Um, Davina Perrin presented me with my cap, which yeah, we've we've got on so well. Um, recently, like she was, she was in the first team the season before this, and so she's already been established in that. So she's kind of took me under her wing, I guess, and looked after me a little bit, made sure I felt comfortable. So yeah, she's she was very good. I believe she was only asked on the morning of as well. So she had like she had about fifteen minutes to plan it all and write a speech. Wow. Write a speech. <laughs> but no, she did really good. No, it meant a lot to me for her to have done that. 
Well, yeah, you mentioned Davina, and we really want to chat about the Under-19 World Cup because we mm-hmm. absolutely love watching it. And of course, for you, it was really successful, that five for against the West Indies. But if we kind of go back to the beginning with your selection, you were one of only a few players that hadn't played senior regional cricket. Um, so going in, perhaps fewer people who were watching knew your name and you were a bit of an underdog, but of course you had a great tournament. So what was it like going in when, you know, a lot of people had played in the 100 before and perhaps were a little bit more experienced than you? Yeah, well, I completely was not expecting the phone call. You know, I obviously the school games is sort of selection for this England under 19. So I was kind of picking out the girls. Well, you've already played senior team, you've already played senior team, so you're getting ahead of me. Um, so that's how I sort of played it down, I guess. So I didn't think, I really was not expecting it at all. But then, yeah, Richard Bedbrook rung me just out of the blue. And I'm not very good at answering my phone, but I, luckily I did answer this call. Um, and yeah, he was just like, we want you to come on the plane to South Africa in January. Just couldn't, I just couldn't really believe it. My mum was, I was here. My mum was sat next to me and she was just like, oh my God, oh my gosh. And yeah, no, it was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I mean that that is amazing, and I mean we've we've spoken to quite a lot of. If I, have I got the full set We're of the nineteen, most the full set, yeah. And I guess what comes across uh, to me, speaking to many of the people who are in that squad, is the kind of bonds that were formed at that time seem really really strong. Mm, oh yeah, we got on. We all got on so well, and it just started from the camps through the winter and. And, you know, there was 20 of us at the camps, but only 15 of us could get on the plane. And then it got to the end. And, you know, the five girls that weren't coming with us, it was sort of just hit you then. So I think we all felt a team then. And then when we got there, you know, we're all sharing this experience for the first time. Um, We're all going to play together for the first time. So it's we're all experiencing the same new stuff all together. So you've all got you've all got something in common, and it's just everyone got on just so well. Yeah, I guess it's that first taste of international cricket and going on a cricket tour and things like that. So do you think those sort of things that like age group cricket, or like the under nineteen tour, prepare you? For example, if you go on to play for England, then you're gonna be away from home for X amount of weeks and and touring with people that perhaps you haven't known for that long. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's it's been a, it was such a good experience, and now I know what to expect if I was to go on tour again. And yeah, it's very good for making you prepared, getting you prepared if you were to go again. Yeah. Now, as Polly mentioned, you had one absolute standout performance. I mean, you had a great tournament <laughs> overall, but one performance particularly stands out against the West Indies, and you actually got the best figures of anyone in any match in in the tournament in that game what do you think were the factors that made everything just click and go so right for you in that game um I'm not sure well I've had my feedback throughout the tournament was just try and bowl a little bit straighter so that was my my main aim and um before earlier in the tournament I'd bowled a lot of my overs up front in the power player bowl three overs out of the six in the power play and then just have one right at the end but in this game, I think I only had one or two up front and then bowled the rest in the middle. So I had, you know, you go from a swinging ball to the ball that just carries straight on. 
and it just you know adjusting my line bowling a bit straighter targeting the stumps it's just that shift of I'm gonna get people's nicking off I'm gonna get them out that way rather and then you go and bowl later on in the game where you're thinking change up I'm gonna bowl very straight I'm gonna not give them any room to score any runs just yeah and also I felt quite rhythmical on that day something that really I really feel with my bowling is rhythm I'm not really a I'm gonna look at this spot and bowl here if it feels right it feels right um and that day it just everything just felt right it's so frustrating isn't it that can't you just like push a button and and make it feel like that every (laughs) time oh yeah I know that would be the dream (laughs) another of my um my favorite moments while we were out there um the first game that we played in my first wicket in the tournament Karis Pavley caught the catch uh, it's just obviously she's my teammate at Sparks at Worcester I've played age group cricket with her since we were both 13 and I just thought how funny is it that we've traveled halfway across the world and she's still catching catches for me that's so, so nice good. yeah so good yeah well I've heard that your nickname is Jimmy uh, perhaps because of your surname but also because of your bowling so that leads me nicely into the question of did you have role models growing up within cricket was Jimmy Anderson on there of people that you want to emulate their bowling style or just play cricket like I think as I've got older I've and understand the game a little bit more I have found that Jimmy is just he's so he's so good he's perfected his art and it's just just incredible really I've always thought, I've always wanted to be an all-rounder as well. So a bit like a Nat Siverbrunt, you know, a seamer, and she can bat as well. So that's someone else I've always sort of looked up to. And again, Anya, Anya Shrubsoul as well, uh, another swing bowler. Like she's just, she knows exactly what she has to do in whatever situation is. She knows what the situation requires. And yeah. Wow. Those three are my top three. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you can count yourself sort of heading towards that bracket. If you think about it, you know, when you went to the Under-19 World Cup, it was you alongside everyone your age group in world cricket, <laughs> effectively. <laughs> and at the end of the tournament, a team of the tournament was put together and you were in it. I mean, that... So so in yeah. my mind, that makes you in the top 11 players of your age group in the world. <laughs> Well, yeah, no. When you say it like that, it's a bit. It's a very, very surreal, very surreal feeling. But yeah, I didn't. I hadn't realized I was in the team. Someone showed. Oh, Ellie, look at this! You're in the. You're in. You've made the team. But yeah, very, very surreal. Well, you mentioned Anya Shrubsoul, and of course, you've spent the past month with her, her being your captain. Firstly, what was like that like, having someone like Anya, who was just an absolute legend, just hanging out with her for a month and, and watching her play cricket <laughs> and training with her in the nets and things like that? And I'll be honest, I was a little bit intimidated at first, because, you know, she's such a great player. Um, but, but yeah, once I got to know her, she's she's a bit like me, really. She's calm. She's a little bit quieter in the group um but yeah she she is so clear on what her plans are she always you know whatever situation you are in she knows what the plan is going to be I mean when we were 
when we played Welsh Fire at Sophia Gardens and needed that one run off the last ball, she knew her plan and she executed and got us, got us over the line. And I think that's something that I have learned the most from that experience is always, always knowing your plan. So how did you end up playing for Southern Brave then? Because uh, that it's it's not exactly your region, is it? <laughs> no, it's a bit about three hours from my house, the AGS Bowl. Um, yeah. So, um, Charlotte Edwards uh, sent me a message and was like, "Look, I'm interested in having you in the in the Southern Brave with us. I think you'll fit in really nicely in the team." Um, Did you think it was I'm a like, scam? Oh. <laughs> 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 well, I didn't really know what to do with myself. Um. But yeah, she. I so I messaged her back straight away. Um, yeah, definitely interested. Um, and she was on the phone to me within half an hour. You know, um, told me that exactly the plan. Told me what to sort of expect, I guess. Because um, yeah. So she didn't say, you know, you you will play, you will play. She didn't say that at all. So I, but she was like, I want you to be around the group. I want you to learn from. Anya and Lauren Bell, our seamers, I want you to just experience it. And then, you know, that will make you a better cricketer in the long run. And yeah, but no, I've learned so much from her in a month. Learned so much from her. She's extraordinary, isn't she? She messaged us once as well. <laughs> Did she really? She didn't offer me to play with her. She was just like, yeah, I'm from the podcast. But... Yeah, normally we ask people, but but Lottie's the only person who's asked oh, us. Oh no way! Yeah, no way. Well, That's it's because cool. we it's because we kept talking we about kept so. name dropping. Um, because I guess one of the things I may you can give us a little bit of insight into this is that Charlotte Edwards is the most successful coach in world cricket mm-hmm. by a mile. It, it seems to me, you know, that if any tournament, her team will at least get to the final and probably win it. Yeah. So my yeah. thought is, what sort of a monster must this person be? <laughs> like behind the scenes, just threatening people. And, but everyone <laughs> we spoke to seemed to think she was absolutely lovely. Um. So what is what is her secret of getting these, consistently getting these top performances out of people? Oh yeah, no, she is so lovely. Um, I think she just she knows her team very well, and she knows everyone's strengths within the team very well and she's always she will always tell you to back your best skill um and yeah just she's been it she's played so much cricket at such a high level she's been in every situation possible so she knows she knows how to win in every situation getting over the line when it's tough I think that's just that's probably the difference um, is just yeah she's been there she's done it she's lost them she's learned and now she's passing that on to obviously Anya all the Vipers girls uh, Southern Brave girls and I think just having knowledge like that how to get over the line in close games how to deal with oh this boulder's bowling like this you should do this it's just yeah she just knows the plan it's really interesting, isn't it? Because it seems to me that when she goes into a tournament, she's not just planning for that tournament. So your selection, for example, she's kind of planning for maybe the 100 next year or even the year after to say this, yeah, is, potentially. The sort, this is the sort of person mm-hmm. we want as 
as part of our group. Let's integrate her now. Anya's not going to be around beyond this this year. Let's throw this person into the mix because I think this person's mm-hmm. got got potential. So she's not only putting a team together to win today, which she she does, of course, <laughs> but also mm-hmm. to win next year and all the following years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that. Yeah, she's always one step ahead. Always oh. one step ahead. Yeah, and of course you won at Lords, which is just kind of like the ultimate thing to ever do. Just regardless of the tournament, just win a final at Lords. It's it's a bucket list thing. So what was that like <laughs> when you know you actually the moment you realised, oh we've actually won this and then obviously celebrating afterwards? Pretty special. Um obviously me, myself, Sarah and Danny and Mary had their seats in the house basically in the dugouts. Um oh yeah, was just I'm right at the start of the game when those two wickets went early. Obviously, Smithy and Boosh went quite early. Um, that wasn't the start we were after. But again, you know, Danny took the game on, rebuild so well. And then, yeah, Belly taking um, those wickets in the first over. Just set the game up, set the game up. Yeah, that final rollout from Belly. And then we just all leg it onto the pitch. Mm-hmm. Pretty surreal stuff. I don't think I don't think it'll get much better than that. <laughs> no, I, I, it's extraordinary. So tell me about the celebrations afterwards, because I guess you were celebrating <laughs> that win and also celebrating Anya's career as well. What what happened? Tell me all about it. Um. Well, um, we had family and hospitality, so just went and sat with my family, sort of in a bit of shock. You know, can't believe this has just happened. Um, and yeah, just had a well, very nice evening with the team. So we say in London, nice little night out. I can imagine most of it can't go on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been very discreet about it. <laughs> very well done. I don't want to get anyone in trouble. We'll fill in the blanks. <laughs> don't mind, shall we? In bed by half ten. <laughs> <laughs> What's our next question, Paul? Okay. Right. <laughs> I mean, this is our second interview back after a break. I think you're a bit rusty. Oh, no. no. <laughs> so anyway, I suppose looking towards the future and the rest of your cricket career, what are some of the things you want to achieve along the way? Um, I would love a professional contract. I would love for this to be my full-time job. Um, it's sort of dream come true stuff, I guess, to be a professional athlete. Um. Yeah, it's something that I've wanted since I was a kid. You know, I wanted to be, you know, one of the best players at Worcester. And I just, well, I'm probably not quite there yet, but I can still work on that. And yeah, I'd love to be, love to be a professional. I'd love to inspire some, some little girls that are like me from a little village. Just that they can, if they can dream it, they can do it. Yeah, I mean, that's you're doing everything right. I, I think it would be fair to say <laughs> in in sort of aiming for that. So, do are do you study at the moment then, or are you do you sort of do cricket and hoping for a contract and then sort of see what happens? Uh, yeah. So, um, I've just enrolled to do business management at the Open University. So I've chosen to do I've chosen to study there because it can be flexible around my cricket. And it doesn't matter where in the world I am. 
I can still tap into the lessons and still get my work done and it will just yeah something to fill my time with that I is think great. I'm gonna have a bit more time on my hands that's that's really I always ask the dad question you see about like, you, someone's got to yeah. um, <laughs> but it seems like something like the open university that's a really really good idea isn't it because it as you say mm -hmm. it's completely flexible you know and as you you go into a you know maybe an uncertain future and 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 what you're going to be doing it just gives you that opportunity doesn't it to yeah definitely and it's quite you know business management is you know everything these days is a business you know the hundred is a business you and you can just go into any sector you know if I'm finished with cricket I'm done with sport I've got my business degree I can go in tap into something else that's really good <laughs> yes i i think you need to recommend this to other people because I, I i always fear that there are too many people go like putting everything on this glittering career that they're going to have which might not be as glittering as they thought or or certainly yeah. it's not going to set them up for uh yeah to earn money like a premier league footballer or whatever mm -hmm. yeah no sparks the coaches at sparks are very encouraging of us to go and get further education and get more qualifications because you know it just takes one just takes one little injury or one a little mishap and that's it isn't it really so they do encourage us to go and get some more qualifications and unfortunately the money isn't as great as what the men are getting so you do need something else to you know keep working with once you retire so you've got this injury at the moment so presumably you're not going to be playing again this season but you, uh, no it's unlikely very unlikely but can you still sort of do you still go into train and bowl in the nets and that sort of thing uh no i no i don't think i will be i'm having um i'm having surgery on thursday so three days okay you can be back uh, on friday then <laughs> <laughs> yeah it might be might be sorted by the weekend ready for cricket on saturday <laughs> but no yeah just you know, one of those things, isn't it? You get a lot of dislocations in cricket, lots of broken mm -hmm. fingers. It's one of those, it's risk. It's a risk that you just have to accept. And, you know, this is my first sort of setback, I guess. But I think I've been very lucky with the fact that it's my non-dominant hand. It's right at the end of the season and all that sort of thing. Well, we wish you all the best for the surgery. Hope it goes really, really well. Thank and, you. Um... And uh, you get a sort of good recovery in, and then um, and then winter training can start. Well, no, enjoy the off season first, have a bit relaxed, <laughs> and then you can go into the, the hard winter. Oh no, thank you very much. <laughs> Great to talk to you, Ellie. You too. Thank you. That was brilliant. It's, I love talking to members of that under-19 mm. side. Well, we've only got two left to complete the set. Really? Yeah. Scriven Smile? Scriven Smile. Yeah, so Seren Smile and Grace Scrivens. So. Well, I know you... you're listening out there, Grace Scrivens, <laughs> captain of the Sunrisers. Give us a call. To be fair, we're probably her biggest fans, so, like, why wouldn't she yeah. want to? Yeah. And Seren Smile, you're chirpy enough. <laughs> Come and have a chirp with us. Yeah, so um, we'll see. Maybe, do you know, it feels like Monopoly. 
and you've got three of them <laughs> got the set and you start building houses although we will not be building any houses or hotels <laughs> I can tell you that um speaking of that did you see the hundred monopoly because sophie eccleston was putting the brown one and that's like, yeah and that's like the cheap one that's 60 pounds that's not good that's an insult that is an insult and i don't who was who on earth was in mayfair because sophie eccleston promoted mayfair released mm. at least promoted to the dark green yeah i was, I was not happy with that Oof. anyway next week polly it'll be our final podcast from Birmingham before you leave and we Madness. and we start podcasting remotely from different locations. I know locations. that's going to be that's going to be weird but um yeah we have got we've actually already recorded the next episode well with the interview with another winner we just want winners so if you're not a winner don't get in touch unless you're Grace Scrivens then get in touch <laughs> you're a winner in our hearts um but yeah so we will have it we're guaranteed a guest in next week's episode and we will be back next friday um in the meantime you can follow us on instagram which is not a child podcast and twitter which is our child podcast mm-hmm.